Welcome to the RSL Soapbox podcast. This is one of our uh, untitled podcasts, I guess, but I'm here with Jeremiah O'Shan. Is it O'Shan or O'Shan? O'Shan. You got it O'Shan? right. O'Shan? Okay. Yeah. yeah. Uh, who it's is... a shortened name if you really want to get into it. Oh, what, what's it short for? It was O'Shansky when my family came over from, uh, from Eastern Europe. Which oh, I, I guess technically they were in they were in in Russia, but uh, not to get too into my family history. But as Jews, we were not really considered Russian, so it always feels feels funny to say that we're from Russia when we yeah. weren't. You know, no one called they wouldn't call us Russians. Well, for a anyway. lot of reasons, you know, Utah's full of people talking about family history. Right, uh, exactly. So, so it's actually know. a good a good genealogy podcast. Yeah. And uh, I think we're we're well known as a podcast for not being the most uh, serious about getting to soccer fast. Sure, good, but you know that I is. I didn't is. didn't blow my chance there. Not even a little. Uh, but I know your time is limited, so I guess we should get to the soccer reasonably fast. Sure. Uh, so Jeremiah is the uh, are you the editor for SB Nation Soccer? Is that the right term? Yeah, let's go with that. He's my boss. Yeah, that's a in, in that's a, a little more that's a little more questionable, but yeah, sure. Uh, and uh, yeah, he's been running Sound at Heart for as long as I can remember. Yeah, I mean, I've been writing there since 2010. Yeah, like a literal life, like before I had kids, before I even had thoughts of having kids. Really, yeah. Well, it's a beautiful thing. I am kind of in the same boat, so with RSL yeah. soapbox. So you know, lifers, I guess. Yeah. yeah um, anyway, I wanted to bring Jeremiah on today to answer our questions about Seattle and just kind of talk about this game uh, without taking up, of course, too much of his time. Uh, so <laughs> you're Jeremiah, making me, make me sound very busy. You're, I appreciate you're it. You're an editor. You've got to be busy. Yeah, exactly. Um, so I'm curious, like from the outside, uh, people sometimes seem to look at Seattle and say, wow, they are really underperforming. But they did win Champions League. Like, yeah. what's your perspective on it? Uh, I think it's kind of that same way inside, like uh, at least among the fan base. Like, there's a pretty wide acknowledgement that we did win Champions League. Yeah, and that that feels like a that big is deal. reality, right? And I think at the time, a lot of people were saying, like, if this is all we win this year, I'm fine with that. And I think there's still like, you know, in six months. If or in three months, we are saying like, well, it was, it, you know, we we the season didn't end how we wanted, but we won Champions League. It still feels like a successful season. I think that'll probably be like the overarching feeling of most people. And I think you can look back on the season and and certainly in the context of history and and that will be what you remember. But while you're going through it, it 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 definitely feels right now like they're underperforming, like it feels frustrating. It's. Uh, we just talked about this on on the podcast that I do about how in a weird it's weird, though, because it's not like they've been playing awful. They've they've been in every game. Uh, you know, they, they're only three and six in their last nine. But all but one of those losses was by one goal. Uh, you know, it's not a stretch to think that they could have gotten a few more points out of that that run. And and that's sort of what's frustrating is that they're stuck in this middle ground where they're just they're not good. Like they're very mediocre right now but they're not so bad that you can get like you want to blow it all up and start over again and you know the chances are they're probably going to bring back most of this squad and in fact 
their lack of activity at the transfer window uh, was in part because they intend to bring back so much of what they have and they didn't want to sort of mess things up for next year by by being overly aggressive this window and they and they feel and you know we just had a conversation with Garth Lagerway who you guys may have heard of <laughs> and uh, he was talking about how you know they they did want to make a move but they just were completely unwilling to sacrifice next year to do it and they had a really kind of they had a they had a price point that they felt like they could go up to they had uh they they felt like they could either get like a midfield uh, an attacking you know a wide winger type player or they could get a defensive midfielder sort of like depending on where they want to put feeling like they could play Christian Roldan at either spot uh and and they just didn't find the right player for the right price and they felt like this is a team that just won Champions League a few months ago why can't they like they should be able to like this is still we still feel confident in this group so it is a weird it is weird i think underachieved is fair uh certainly within the context of the mls season you know uh but at the same time if this team finishes third uh i don't think anyone that doesn't feel out of the realm of possibility and that won't necessarily feel like a huge you know that wouldn't feel like a a huge under achievement and they've got 10 games to you know make up i think it's four or five points in the standings to get all the way up to third uh they're only one point out of the playoff spot with a game in hand so it's it's not like the season feels like it's lost right now it's just it feels a little unmoored yeah okay that's interesting so one of the things i've built into the form guide which i know you are a fan of i'm a lover i i use that thing all the time (laughs) i do too actually and it helps me understand the game uh so looking i i added a points over time chart and i think one of the interesting things there that i've kind of observed is that rsl and seattle going like a a game week number uh kind of charting that over time follow a very similar pattern uh and it's a little eerie to me um and in fact you're now what two points off of us uh that sounds right and we're we're dropping like a rock uh but if you take away those first like four games of the season we're kind of in the same boat uh, right. if not behind you. Uh, so it's interesting to me to look at the way people perceive like standings in MLS in the middle of the season. Because for RSL, fifth, you know, being you know in fifth right now is not that bad. We were you know two points off of first at a certain point before we started plummeting, which I have lots of feelings about. But uh, but if you take away those first few games, like it's a very different story. Uh, and and it's you know that's MLS I guess and probably any league where if you slice off part of it it's it's going to look different. Well, but. Yeah, I mean I, I do think that's one of the it's you know I, I I guess one of the features of MLS is that the the talent disbursement is so thin. Uh, like the like even the best teams are only a couple players away from being a a middling team, and you know the middling teams are only you know one or two additions away from being you know really good teams and i think that that's sort of being borne out with the sounders is that you know you pull uh Jao Paulo out of the team and then you pull his backup out of the team those are gonna you know those are gonna be painful losses no matter what you do uh and then you throw Raul Rui Diaz has only played a third of the season uh on top oh. of that so you know those are those are two big two big pieces that have been missing significant portions of the season um you know i'm i'm it'll be interesting to see with Rui Diaz, if he can stay back, 
if he can if that really does change the the fortunes of the team because they they do play you know by by the numbers you know they're they're basically you know playing at an Austin FC pace when Rui Diaz plays but they're you know not anywhere near that when when he yeah. doesn't play and so it will be interesting to see if that is borne out over you know a longer period if he can stay healthy and he's playing up to his his potential all right so i think it's time we get to the question that everyone's been probably begging me to ask in their heads uh which is how's albert rusnak doing oh yeah uh you know it's an it, it, that's an interesting one uh because if you had told me at the beginning of the year that he'd be on i think one goal and one assist uh, i think wow that was a disaster signing but we didn't see the change in his position coming at all you know he's obviously been deployed as a as a deeper lying central midfielder so like as a effectively as an eight but really deployed in a double pivot of a four two three one most of the time and and he's been he hasn't been asked to be an offensive player really at all uh he i would say he's still maybe underperformed from a goals and assists perspective but if you look at any every all of his other numbers in terms of his grounds covered his passing his you know all these more advanced metrics uh or not maybe not more advanced but certainly more le- less obvious metrics specific he's, metrics right right specific metrics right there maybe that's a better way of putting it he's he's doing exactly what the sounders have asked him to do you know he's sort of turned into this darling darlington nagby-esque uh, figure where he's really hard to dispossess. He uh, is a, he's a plus player in terms of uh, breaking up attacks. He's positionally sound and he moves the ball really well in in the midfield. And I think it's hard to imagine the Sounders winning Champions League without his con- his specific contributions. So you know you take all that and I and I feel pretty good about the signing. It's just that we're still I think a lot of the people in the in the fan base are still struggling to wrap their mind around. The idea that they thought they were signing a number 10 and what they got was, you know, really a, a number eight and that he's his numbers reflect that. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, I mean, he certainly did not play as Nate here, but I think he showed those same characteristics like he was at his best when he could keep the ball in the midfield, even you know defensively right uh, at the edge of our third Uh stopping a counterattacking opportunity because he just kept control of the ball, which for RSL was uh, a, a very welcome thing. Um, certainly RSL fans have some negative feelings toward him, uh, which I think is fun. Like that's the joy of sports is hating right. people. I, and I'll say the other thing that for me personally, I found him to be really eloquent and uh, insightful in a lot of his comments he has a much more measured approach than a lot. Like he's, he's thoughtful about what he says. He's measured in what he says. He doesn't, it doesn't feel like he's just kind of uh, speaking in cliches. Like he tries to actually give you insight when you talk to him. He doesn't talk a lot, but when he does talk, it, it's always, it always feels like you get something out of it. He, he aggressively uh, almost tries to avoid hyperbole, which I find really interesting uh, because you don't, a lot of athletes are more than happy to like engage in, in hyperbolic statements. And he is like almost like offended when he when you're sort of trying to get him to stay the more like cliche answer. And it's like he comes up with a way to to answer it in a way that's more thoughtful. And so I've really appreciated him from a purely from a media perspective that I think he's been really engaging and and I've liked I've liked talking to him. I love to hear that. Uh, I certainly like he, he was an interesting player here. 
and sometimes had his little battles with the media. And I also heard a dog barking, and I hope the dog is very cute. That's my only... I think I would imagine that most of our listeners also love dogs and will also be delighted by it. So well, that I saw was, that was a little bit of a shock and hitchy bark. Okay, what type was... of dog is it? He's a he's a golden doodle. Oh, I'm sure, he's very cute. He's he just ran off camera though, so I can't show him to you. Sorry, that's all right. Um, so I guess I'm curious. Uh, you watch a fair amount of MLS. Is that accurate yeah. to say? Yeah. Not not every game certainly. No one can watch every game now. I'm not Matt Doyle. No, and bless him for putting in the hours. Yeah. It's a very different league than it was uh, 10 years ago, right? Yeah, I know. He was just, not to get us too off topic, but he was just talking about how when he started this, it was like he had uh, six games or something that he had to watch every week, and now it's like 14. Yeah. The league that just won't stop growing. Um, so, So given that, you've probably watched Real Salt Lake at least once or twice. Um, I'm curious, what's your perception of uh, what the team looks like now? Because we all have our feelings that are based on a lot of history. Uh, and I'm curious what your outsider perspective might be. You know, I, I think that it's a team that has a lot of X dog in it. Uh, I think that's right. That's that's the that's, thing that we're that is the term. That is the thing. Right. But yeah. I, I don't know. I don't I don't have a great sense of what they do well other than than like stay in games. Uh, I, 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 I wish I had more insight, but I, I don't get the sense that they are uh, necessarily underachieving or overachieving right now. They're sort of playing. I think they were probably underestimated at the start of the year. Mm-hmm. And I think probably on, like I was always a little skeptical that they were going to be as bad as some of the pundits seemed to think they were going to be. Uh, I'm not, I'm not a huge Pablo Mastroianni uh, believer. I, 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 I tend to, find his uh his like i don't i don't know what his his philosophy is and i don't know what like i i don't i don't quite get i don't get it i suppose is maybe the the better way of putting it but he clearly knows how to set his teams up to be competitive and um you know so like i would have thought they would they it's i i was impressed what they were able to do at the the transfer window it seemed like they were able to bring in some talent it doesn't seem like that's really showing itself on with results as much as I would have expected. But yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a team that I let's, well, I guess I'll put it this way. They're not, they're not a team that I think, you know, clearly they're capable of beating the Sounders. Like that's not a, like everyone seems like they're capable of beating the Sounders, but (laughs) I'm not, I don't, I don't feel like they're a team that is sending shivers up anyone's spine. Yeah. All right. I think that's fair. It's uh, I mean, if the most recent like bad memory against RSL is playing a game in which they had zero shots and still right. managed to progress, like that's not a team you are normally going to be scared of, right? Right. That's probably more self-reflective than anything. Right. And um, then the meeting earlier this year was really uh, a hard one to assess. It was yeah. in the middle of a horrible uh, weather storm that we call yeah, those a, things weather snowstorm right like yeah. just an a march utah snowstorm which we, right. we always get without fail right and it was in it and so it was hard to really assess anything out of that game uh but yeah so it was i wish i had more of a of a complete read on rsl but that is i guess that's sort of my read on it yeah i don't don't disagree with you on a lot of those things 
Uh, and I watch a lot more of this team and I still don't feel like I've got a good read on it, which is, it's a weird feeling. So if I reflect on like the days of Jason Christ and Garth Loggerway running this team, like it was very consistent. You knew like tactically what they were trying to do. You knew philosophically what they were trying to get, do. Uh, and I mean, realistically, we're at a different point in our maturity level, like because that comes in waves, right? Yeah, and, and culminates in reaching a Champions League final. Right, right. And I and I will say that I'm I'm always hesitant to criticize a team because I don't see what they're trying to do. Yeah, because it's not you know maybe that's a good thing, right? In in some ways, and I think that in a lot of ways that's been one of the strengths of Brian Schmetzer's time with the Sounders is that he is sort of uh, agnostic when it comes to how you win, other than you know, like some of the core elements that I think maybe he shares with Master Any, which is like you you have this base standard of effort and you have mm-hmm. this base that it's like you aren't going out there expecting to win based on skill alone, but that there's this, you know, it, it's, you know, obviously it's you guys are tired of this stuff, but like the <laughs> that X-Dog yeah. idea is like, you know, unmemified. It, it does, there is something there. Yeah. And, uh, but, and, and so like, I, I don't necessarily think, that the best coaches have are because it makes it because it's easy to identify what they're doing. Doesn't make it good, I guess is my point. And, uh, and so I don't necessarily hold that against RSL that said, I, I, I don't know what, like he, he seems willing to experiment and I appreciate that. Yeah. I, I think that's a fair look at it. And, uh, yeah, experimentation is, is big on it. I, I sometimes wonder if it's intentional experimentation. Or just he doesn't have a defined tactical plan. And certainly those coaches exist, right? And he's probably the first one to tell you that it, it's not about the X's and O's. It's about effort and wanting it and manifesting it. And he, he's big on uh, kind of that, that soft new age philosophy stuff, uh, which I've got lots of feelings about, but they're not, not really relevant here, I suppose. Um, I will say that X dog has gotten us uh, six points from our last eight games, um, which is not ideal. No, and it's has even worse worried. than the Sounders. Yeah. Uh, and actually, if we lose this game, which of course I'm hoping we don't, uh, we would be at five points from eight games uh, in an eight game period and our lowest since at least 2012. So, you know, oh. I'm, I'm a little concerned. Fair, um, yeah, but you know, uh, when you're when you're based on effort and all those, you know, kind of fuzzy things, there will be times it works really well, and there will be times it doesn't for extended periods. So, I guess it shouldn't be too surprising. I, I will say I was I was impressed with Justin Glad's willingness to sort of throw himself under the bus, uh, mm-hmm. just because it was um, you don't hear that sort of thing very often. Yeah, talking about his defending on the Gareth Bale goal, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, uh, it's, uh, he is, I mean, he's got to be one of our favorite players here collectively. Uh, he's He's got a great attitude. He's very funny sometimes. Uh, he has a good head. You know, it, it's just a great player to have around and uh, hope for more of those. Um, all right, one last question for you, and then I think we can turn it loose. Uh, what's going to happen with Garth Lagerwey? I hear, you know, we've, we've all seen the rumors that he might go somewhere else, Chicago maybe, where he 
kind of got his start in MLS, right? Uh, or well, he's from so- he's from the Chicago land region. Okay, yeah, uh, and that's his connection to Chicago. I don't I don't know if he actually ever played there or not, but he he's he has his I think his parents still live there. Okay. Um, but yeah, the main place that he's been linked is Atlanta, and okay. I suppose there's other things at play. Like I I think the there might be a, a position at U.S. Soccer that is potentially of interest to him i don't know i I, i'm not quite sure but uh the you know what the the big thing with with garth right now and i think it sort of underscores the double-edged sword of this democracy and sports thing that the sounders have been doing and the way that manifests itself most clearly is in this gm vote that they have every four years and as a result of that, it's it sort of advertises when the GM is out of contract. And so it leads mm. to some very reasonable, frankly, reasonable speculation about what he might do next. And the Sounders are trying to be, you know, at least publicly, they're saying that they want to let the, the process, they want to pay the, the process its, its proper due. So they don't want to go and re-sign him before the vote, even if the vote feels like it's a you know, like a, a fait accompli, like no one expects Garth to be voted out. It would be a, it's a very high bar to, to vote a GM out. Uh, it's, it's not just a simple majority vote. It's like a majority of X number of, of uh, season ticket members would have mm-hmm. to vote him out. So I, I bring all that up because it, it has led to, you know, he, we know he's at a contract. We know he's not going to be resigned to a contract at least until, uh, this vote is completed, although the vote will happen before the end of the season. So technically, he won't ever be out of like he will have been retained before his contract is expired. Okay. Uh, that said, uh, you know, he we we asked him about it today and he was, you know, he 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 basically said, like, when you have success, of course, you're going to be linked to other moves. Right. And I don't I don't think the Chicago one to me, like. Who knows? Like he could do. I, I don't know him that well. Uh, maybe he really wants to go back to Chicago, but I don't think the Chicago project, for lack of a better term, uh, which I hate referring to soccer uh, teams as project, but uh, you know, I guess that's sort of the way we talk about things these days. Yeah. And it just doesn't strike me as what would be particularly appealing to him, unless he really just wants to start over again. And I don't know if that's where he is in his career, uh, he's sort of done that with RSL. So I don't know what he, he gets out of that other than moving closer to his parents. Uh, but like his wife isn't from Chicago. I think she's actually from the Salt Lake area. If I'm, oh, okay. if I'm correct, I'm not a hundred percent on that, but uh, yeah, she's I'm not, not from, she's not, she's either, she, he either met her in at Duke or when he was at Salt Lake. I can't remember which one, but in any case, hmm. I don't think that's, I don't think, I don't think family is what's going to drive him back to, uh, to Chicago, uh, the Atlanta job, like, look, I'll be, I'm a realist. I think the Atlanta job is super interesting. You know, here you have an owner who's willing to spend a bunch of money. You've got a, a fan base that's very engaged. That's very big. Uh, it's, you know, I think it's the one place in the MLS where you, if you, you would say it's potentially a bigger job than the Sounders, uh, for all those reasons, you know, they got the, they have the world cup coming. They have all these resources that frankly, the Sounders don't necessarily have in terms of, uh, transfer budgets and those kind of things. And so I, I could see how maybe that would be appealing to him. Uh, but if, you know, if, if I had to guess, I, I still think he's probably going to stay in Seattle. But 
I will say the one thing that the other thing that Atlanta offers that he doesn't have in Seattle is the ability to like sit on top of the organization where, you know, here he's always going to sort of be uh, answering to Adrian Hanauer, who's the majority Mm -hmm. owner and who still has a, a fair amount of oversight over the entire organization. Whereas Arthur Blank seems like he he's a little bit more inclined just to cut checks and let let people run that team. And and if he were to bring in Garth to be the president of Atlanta United and he would maybe oversee the sporting side uh, as well as you know the other parts of the organization, I could see how that would be an appealing uh, appealing to him. But yeah, I don't know. We'll we'll see. I mean, he's been here eight years, so I could also see how it's just you know like he he feels like he's ready to move on, but. All indications are that he likes it here. His family is pretty established here right now. He's got uh, relatively young kids who are, you know, at that point in school where it's getting harder to pull them out. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I think he like they're elementary age kids. Uh, I know his he moved. I think his mother in law back was living with him during COVID. So yeah. they're like they're they're pretty established here. I guess is why, why I point all that out. And so I think it's going to take a a pretty significant offer for, or pretty. You know, you'd have to have a lot of assurances to leave. Yeah, interesting. Well, I know that uh, folks in Salt Lake fans, not I have no idea what the team's thinking here, but folks like fans in Salt Lake would love to see him back. So when you're done with him, if you could just ship yeah, him I'll over here. Yeah, pass it along. Yeah, Absolutely. Thanks. Yeah, and, and it does seem like, you know, the main reason, one of the main reasons he left has, is, is no longer an issue. Yeah, yeah, it was very clearly Deloy Hansen. Yeah. And nobody blames him for that. Right. So he he comes away with clean hands. Great. Well, thank you, Jeremiah. I uh, really appreciate your time here. Uh, if anyone wants to follow Jeremiah on Twitter, it's Jeremiah O'Shan. Uh, and if you want to follow him on Sandra at Heart, it's just sandraatheart.com. Uh, Jeremiah, any parting words for uh, all of Salt Lake? Uh, I just want to say to everyone in Salt Lake that Matt is great and oh. I enjoy uh, talking to him every single time I get to talk to him and you're very lucky to have someone like him in your media space. This is uh, far too kind, uh, kinder <laughs> than I deserve. Uh, thanks again. And uh, we'll talk to you soon. Mm-hmm.